A locavore is a person who chooses to consume food that is grown, raised or produced locally. This is the Locavore Podcast, brought to you by White's IGA. Welcome to my Locavore Podcast. I'm Roz White and this is the podcast where we dig deep into the stories behind the hundreds of locally sourced, artisan, bespoke and innovative products available to you in one location at White Sign GA on the beautiful Sunshine Coast. Our Locavore program was officially launched in 2013 to showcase and highlight to our customers where their food and locally produced goodies comes from and help connect them to the families who create it. Today, we are talking with Concept Labs, an innovative and sustainable manufacturing facility on the beautiful Sunshine Coast, producing cosmetic, skincare and cleaning products while embracing their responsibility to co-create a world where each of us, our communities and planet can flourish. White's IGA first partnered with Concept Labs in 1998, which was their first year in business and probably about year five for Michael and I. So it's early days for both of us. Concept Labs founder Barry Jackson walked into our humble little convenience store in Mooloolaba to sell his Sunshine Coast made sunscreen and as they say the rest is history. So 24 years on, White's IGA and Concept Labs continue to enjoy a long and enduring supplier retail relationship which has also grown into a lovely friendship between our families. Now at the helm are founders Barry and Sue's daughter Naomi who was just a young girl when I first met her. She's still a young lady too. <laughs> So Naomi joins me now. Welcome. Thanks, Roz. Great to be here. Naomi, you are the general manager of Concept Labs. Your mum and dad, Barry and Sue, also are still involved in the daily operations, as well as your husband, Perry. Yes. It's a true family affair, isn't it? It is, absolutely. And my son's just come on board as well. So he finished school last year and has been working with us full time in our warehouse and dispatch. So true family business. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Four Four generations. Yeah, amazing. That's yeah. just incredible. And it is a, a brilliant story. You know, the tw- the last 24 years and the journey and, you know, how you've grown and adapted and, and evolved. And that's what, you know, we're going to talk about today because it's, you know, highlighting that whole story mm. from, from the beginning to where you are now, which is quite amazing. But tell us a little bit about your day today and the highlights and sometimes maybe the perils mm. of families working together. So how does that go? Yeah, I've been very fortunate that mum and dad and I get along so well. So it originally started being a family business. I've worked on and off throughout the business all through when I was high school and my own career. It started, I started coming on 10 years ago full time in the business. I quit my job, moved overseas to study for a while with my son and came back and wasn't sure what to do. Mum and dad hadn't had a break for quite a long time and dad just wanted to travel around Australia in his caravan. So I said, look, go travel for as long as you like and I'll look after the business while I worked out what my next step in life was going to be. And yeah, 10 years later, I'm still there <laughs> learning so much more of things that I just never thought would would interest me but it's just it's been so exciting to learn and grow and we're continually evolving so dad's not in the business too much anymore still comes in a couple of times a week gets Try to update on out. everything yep, yep. mum still does longer hours than what I do still very much into the business Perry my husband and I work in completely different departments so it's very strange you get home and ask how was your day even though we go to the same business we we can go all day without seeing each other but we do try to have lunch together every day and that's our little 
debrief and catch up. But other than that, we can go all day without seeing each other in our operations. So it definitely has its challenges if you have, but I've been very lucky. We try to establish that we'll we'll have a disagreement at work and two seconds later ask, were you doing dinner? Are you picking up the kids? (laughs) So (laughs) yeah, very lucky that we get along so well. Yeah. I haven't had any issues with that, but I guess trying to keep it separated as well is very important. Yeah. How many employees do you have? We now have just under 30. Yeah. Yeah. So we've grown, when I started, we only had two. Pre-COVID, so 2019, we had eight and we've now grown to, during COVID, we're up around 38 and we're back down to around 30 now. Yeah, because you're, you know, you've been sort of trying to find new premises. You've had a lot of growth, haven't you? Yeah. And you've expanded your product range and and over the last, in particular, the last 10 years. Yeah. Which is great. So what was the original inspiration for Barry and Sue to create the business and how did it start? Yeah. So dad's a sales background. He's always been a salesperson. So he was selling a different brand of sunscreen and found he was exceeding sales expectations. And then when he kept going to get stock, I said, no, sorry, run out of stock. You can't have that. It was basically like on allocation. So he couldn't supply the customers he'd promised that he would supply and said to mum, we need to do something about this. There's a big gap in the premium quality budget price. So there's a lot in the premium range of high-end sunscreens and high price. And we wanted to offer premium quality products at a budget price. So yeah, yeah, they said, look, we can't get supply of what you're selling. Let's do it ourselves. So they did that 24, 25 years ago. They outsourced a lot of their manufacturing. So they still stayed within sales. <clears throat> Our manufacturing came back in-house. We, we faced challenges then as we continue to grow, face similar challenges with someone else manufacturing our product that they couldn't meet demand. So they might say, oh, sorry, we're a month behind or two months behind. And we didn't have control over that supply chain. So when unfortunately one of our suppliers went into liquidation, we had the opportunity to purchase their plant and equipment. So we bought all our manufacturing in-house around seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And I guess the business has evolved from there. So we bought that into manufacturing our own products and then had people approaching us, well, can you make our sunscreen as well? Can you make our skincare products as well? So we started making our formulations in their branding. And that again has evolved in the last three or four years. We've got a full R&D team now where we can formulate any new product for a customer. So they come to us with an idea of a product that they want and we'll formulate it all the way through testing all the way through to full product manufacture. Yeah, so um, it's quite extensive and broad, isn't it? You it know, is. the business and what you're doing on a day-to-day basis with the manufacturing. And so you've established other brands and startups. So you yep. take their formula, as you were saying, yep. early stages and then package it and prepare it for market. And so what are some of the new and innovative manufacturing and product developments that you see on the horizon? And how do you partner with your community so our planet can flourish? Because that's something that you have as one of your focus points for the business. Yeah. So we are, it's constantly a work in progress. So we we pride ourselves on being a sustainable manufacturer. So taking whatever options we can, more sustainable options, so more biodegradable packaging, moving away from plastics into more cardboard inners and trays, using more sustainable ingredients. So the ethanol used in our hand sanitizer is bioethanol. So it's derived from farm and agricultural wheat waste rather than chemically derived. A lot of the extracts and oils that we use in products, we try to use more sustainable like RSPO, sustainable palm oil, if certain products 
I guess, need palm-derived products. So just wherever possible, choosing that best best option. We've got a range uh, that we've done for our customers using 100% recycled plastic in their packaging. So just depending on what the brand message is um, for our customers and what is available and balancing that cost against, I guess, looking after the environment as well. So the other big thing that my mum Sue is actually working on is creating that circular economy and regenerative economics, which is a holistic living system. So it's in the means well-being of people and planet as mm. it is as important to companies as the financial bottom line. So you're starting to see reports come through from major corporations about their regenerative economics than mm. just so your profitability. profitability. Yeah, so it is very much a, a very it is, exciting. It's exciting and it's great that here on the Sunshine <coughs> Coast you're manufacturing products mm. and helping bring that a life for you know people that can be distributed in products that can be distributed all over the world because yeah. you do export don't you yeah we're currently exporting to 11 countries so yeah a lot into the to New Zealand UK US yeah. Yeah. China Singapore Malaysia yeah so yeah. sustainable manufacturing is about being able to have a viable business here from a cost basis and also ensuring that your packaging and your product is uh, sustainable from an environmental point of view which there would be maybe some cost costs involved because, yeah. you know, being able to balance the two and still produce a product that's not overpriced or yeah. out of reach for many people, yeah. that's an, it's a really interesting balance, isn't it? So, it is. you know, how are you managing to sort of bring over all those elements together, keep yeah. it local in Australia and be able to meet all those sort of aspirations, I It suppose. is challenging. And I guess with our particular product range, we have multiple different options available to that. And consumers are a lot more educated and aware of that now. And they're, I guess, willing to pay that little bit more, but won't pay a substantial Substantial, I can't pay a substantial amount more. So there are still things that we need to source from overseas, but our main objective is to source locally first. So a, huge, a large majority, probably 90% of our packaging and materials are sourced locally in Australia. So is a very small amount that does come in from overseas still. And just trying to refine our processes and making sure our costs and overheads are kept as low as possible so that it balances out. We can keep that, that cost competitive. Yeah. Coming back to Australia now, you know, thinking of the your distribution, which is is exporting internationally, but coming back to you know, your core product, mm -hmm. Ultra Protect, which is the sunscreen, which yep. we still stock in our Whites IGA stores. So yes. if you're um, a proud stockist of yep. the original sunscreen, Ultra yep. Protect, look out for it. Yep. But also through COVID, because you produce hand sanitizer as well, which we yes. also sell in our stores, which is called Germ Buster. There was an enormous demand for hand sanitizer, particularly at the beginning of, say, in early 2020 yeah. when COVID sort of erupted. And I remember at the time you were trying to source ethanol and there was a whole thing because it was coming down from North Queensland. Have I got that right? Wrong. So, I know you were, and you bought these humongous big vats of yeah. it or whatever and then the government was involved because it was just in high demand. So that's a it really amazing story. <laughs> I was, Yeah. Tell us a little bit yeah, more about that. So at the beginning of COVID, so end of February 2020, our emails and phones just started exploding. It was, it was kind of on the verge of like something's happening 
happening. And then all these orders started coming in for hand sanitizer and we're going, wow, this is great. And then the next day it was just, we ended up having a pile of orders on our table, probably went through four or five reams of paper a day, printing out these orders. It was just, it was crazy. And our usual supplier of ethanol was in New South Wales. And basically it was just, we couldn't get supply from them anymore. So instead of being, as with all the lockdowns, each state was looking after themselves. So Queensland government was like, put a cap on what was exiting our state if it was classed as PPE or hand sanitizer. New South Wales did the same. So they commandeered all their ethanol into leaving New South Wales and keeping their ethanol for hand sanitizer for the frontline workers, basically. So we couldn't get ethanol supply. So we had all these orders and we couldn't supply. So it was heartbreaking. So we reached out to as many government departments as we could, Queensland government, because we were supplying a lot of government agencies with our hand sanitizer as well. And they worked hard to try to get. So we ended up, the government got donated 14,000 litres of ethanol from Bundaberg Distilleries that we managed to use in a lot of our hand sanitizer and for procurement for Queensland government. So yeah, it was, we had, we're working two shifts a day, producing as much hand sanitizer as we could. As you're unloading the ethanol from the truck, it's being blended and filled within hours. So we manufactured two, uh, just over 290,000 litres of hand sanitizer in 2020 alone. Mm. So that was huge amount. And we said, like, what we was supplied. the uplift of that? So what would you normally be producing and what was the uplift? We would only generally produce probably two to 3,000 litres a month previously, only around 20, 25,000 litres a year of hand sanitizer prior to COVID. So it went to 290,000. 290,000, yeah. That's quite a leap, so, isn't it? Very much. Yeah. <laughs> so generally it, within it, like probably only the three or four month period, we saw such growth because a lot yeah. of imported product came after that. So once around August, September, when imports were coming back in, unfortunately, our market got flooded with cheaper imported hand sanitizer. That hurt the hand sanitizer sales that we had through mm. that month. But we had trucks in the driveway waiting to take it. So we're mm. packing it off, wrapping the pallets, or the trucks are still waiting in the driveway to deliver. So pick up and deliver. So it was, it was very exciting, stressful, but exciting time. I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> so, and we obviously had the same demand yeah. and we were stocking your germ buster and so we were rapping on your door as well yeah yep. <laughs> and it was Easter I remember and everyone wanted to say hand sanitizer you couldn't keep it on the shelf you put it on yep. the shelf and pe- it would just be gone it'd like just oh. evaporate into thin air within you know minutes had people bringing me organizations aged care centers uh, government representatives and all you know sort of have you got sanitizer have you got sanitizer so it was in huge demand and our customers obviously were looking for it madly as well but of course we have this fabulous relationship with Concept Labs and so Concept Labs looked after us as best you could (laughs) to manage that demand but every week you would give us a supply wouldn't you and I remember one afternoon I was working it was Good Friday and I was just at work or whatever and Sue your mum gave me a ring and she said Ros I've got a pallet of (laughs) hand sanitizer here if you want to come down and get it and I said yep we'll be down so Michael and I got in our car and down we went and picked up this hand sanitizer and it had just come off the production line, it was still warm and we were loading it into into our, our car to get packing it in the back of the car and off it went to the stores. And But that's the sort of crazy stuff that yeah. was that was sort of happening at that time because nobody really knew what was going on. It was no. just crazy. But no, it was just, again, comes back to those long-term established relationships where we've had, we've been working together for 20 years and you really looked Absolutely. after us and then we could look after our customers. And that's the great thing about well-established, you know, relationships in the local community, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's mm. very important to us to develop those relationships. It's no longer, even with a lot of our contract customers. So we manufacture for a lot of major cosmetic brands as well. And just developing that relationship now, it's it, it's not about just a transactional 
business. They no. want to know the story. They want yeah. to know. They want to be invested mm. in your business. So yeah, very important. It is really important. Absolutely. Mm. And uh, you know, I think that's what business is built on yeah. relationships. Absolutely. Yeah. And people are more interested. They want that sort of personalised connection. And you know, particularly since the last couple of years, where we've all felt really very disrupted. You know, people all over the globe. Are are looking for that connection and this is why locally sourced products and connection to goods and things the things they consume and eat and mm. it's become more important absolutely yeah so so just changing pace now back to your amazing success as a businesswoman Naomi so you are awarded the best practice leadership impact award for 2020 uh you're awarded uh two awards at the 2019 Sunshine Coast Business Awards in manufacturing and export categories mm-hmm. which is bravo such a Great, wonderful accolade and very well deserved. And you personally also were a finalist in the Sunshine Coast Business Women's Network Awards in 2021. So what drives you and makes everyday successful? It is those relationships, I think. I just, I love learning about someone's business and and where they've come from, where they want to go and how we can help them do that. I spent a day at one of our customers' businesses on the Gold Coast a couple of weeks ago and they showed us how they started, where they've come from, where they want to go, their whole business and met their whole team. And it was just, it's really empowering to know and get that vision to be able to then create products for them. So we've been manufacturing for a year or two for them um, and developing a full range of products and just seeing that product, seeing them come to you with an idea, this is what I want it to look like, this is what I want it to achieve, to be able to do that for them and hand them to them and see the look on their face like, this is my dream come true. You're making their dream come true with this brand new product. And then second to that, walking into store and even having my staff, I had one last weekend, send a photo. They were in Brisbane having coffee and sent a photo of one of the products that we manufactured on the shelf in this cafe for sale. And it's just so humbling. Wow, we've been a part of that. So that to me, and that every every day is different. You don't know what customer inquiry you're going to come in, what phone call is going to come in, what whether working with, because we work with startups and also multinational companies that have been in business for a long time manufacturing products that they've had for ages so to see they both are just as rewarding to get a large volume order through is I guess as rewarding as getting a startup to have their couple of products through to trial so just the variant the the seeing people's dreams and stories come through and new products being launched is really exciting and I think you know exactly that you're bringing people's dreams to life and witnessing the joy and the satisfaction of that you know I think that that's it. That's what it is. Yep. Being in business is yep. just that. It's actually the rewards uh, and the satisfaction come from, you know, seeing the joy from another or or impacting in a really positive way in the yep. on the planet or, you yep. know, having some sort of positive influence. Um, that's what business is about, isn't it? Yep. Yes, the dollars and cents make it all happen and that's important. But you're driven by purpose with focus to make create change. Mm. They're the very things that actually give you that passion and drive, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, Bravo. (laughs) So Naomi, what other new and exciting innovative products that you've got coming up? Yeah. So we've got a new range that we're, a new project that we're working on for a range of extracts and oils. So working with customers over the last few years, we've been sourcing new extracts and oils. And when you dig down, we're finding out where they're sourced from. A lot, a huge majority of them are from overseas. So we've got extracts coming from banana leaves. We've got from mango leaves, from all these different plants and produce that are farmed overseas, extracted and distilled over there, and then brought to be 
used in Australia. And Sue and I are just thinking, we've got so much of this produce in our backyard. How can we work through that? So what we've been what we've been doing is identifying what waste streams there are from fruit and agri-waste on the coast because we've got so many local producers, farmers with products that can't be sold or the leaves of plants that are then harvested. So we've started um, in our lab working on extracting and distilling those oils and those extracts from different different produce. So we look at lavender, tea tree, we've got citrus, you've got strawberries. So we've got a lot of people where we are a member of FAN. We're very proud to be one of their members that is not food and agri focused, but so that we can, we, we attend as many meetings as we can to identify what those waste streams are for farmers. Because it is quite a, a pressing topic now of how we create that circular economy. So how we can use everything. And then, so using that, then being able to use those extracts and oils in our locally made products is is really exciting. And the other thing, so our focus the last few years has been on creams, liquids, oils, and gels. We have new machinery coming to be set up later this year so that we can move forward with bars and soap bars, washing bars, so all those waterless products that really help with being more sustainable, more cost-effective to, to ship, and I guess counteracting those increased manufacturing costs and freight costs definitely moving those around. So That's a inc- few very exciting projects that we're currently working on. That is super, super exciting. And FAN is the Food and Agribusiness Network. You're saying you're not really aligned with that, but you actually are because that's where you're sourcing. So yeah. it's that repurposing yeah. of ingredients, which is really important to future sustainability and solutions. Absolutely. And also in reducing, you know, landfill and waste. Yep. And well, we have a, a lot of even just the orange peels yep. left over from their cold-pressed orange juice. Yeah. And that's a yep. resource that instead of going into into landfill can re- be repurposed to actually yeah. – Because um, be- that orange essential oil is huge. Mm. Um, you can use them in – but we, we are to manufacture food grade – um, oils and also in so into cosmetics. So I guess the project that we're working on is identifying what waste streams they are. Then secondly, what they can be used for. So in a lot of products, people will come to us and say, I want an anti-aging cream. And then we need to source ingredients that provide anti-aging properties. We're kind of trying to work in reverse to say, okay, we've got all these orange peels. What are they good for? So, and in a lot of the products, the stems, the leaves and the skin like mm-hmm. of oranges hold as much, if not as more nutrients than what the orange itself does. And then and you're throwing that away. So Amazing. To be Amazing. able to identify what compounds are in there, what benefits are, and then making a product to suit that particular thing. Having a so, happy planet, happy people, happy planet. Exactly. Well yeah. done, Naomi. So that's very that's exciting. Fantastic. In the manufacturing business, what's the representation of women and in the workforce, but also particularly in leadership? And either way, does it have an impact? I have some statistics here. So we have in there's nine hundred thousand people in manufacturing in Australia, and only one in four are women. At Concept Labs, we have our workforce is just over 60% women. And in leadership roles that we have is over three quarters of our management team are female. So, Well, no wonder it's a well-oiled machine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Mum and no I have said there. it's not it's not an intentional hire. Uh, we're not intentionally hiring women over men. We're we're not in that space. It's just so happened that it's like that, and it and it's fabulous to see so many women being empowered. I guess. In manufacturing, it, it covers a lot of different industries, whereas we're more so in skincare and cosmetics. I guess those industries would be more aligned with more women. So mm. we're all very much about equality if, if the right 
male came along, then yes, that's the position. So it is it is great to to be able to represent women in manufacturing and a lot of the manufacturing forums and industry groups that we are a part of. It is very male dominated, mm. but it, it's great to see the females come through and empowering them. Yeah, and it's yeah. all it is all about balance, isn't it? And it perspective. I think balance. it's always about perspective because, like you say, you know there might be some skews or influences because depending on what the product line yeah, might be, exactly. that there, there may be different influences there. Mm. But at the end of the day, it's the right person and the right for the position. job and with the right skill set. And I think if we all focus on that, everything just sort of happens organically, doesn't yeah. it? But just interesting because it's a yeah. topic issue and I have think women are fantastic I think men are fantastic and they contribute in their own way it's having that holistic the holistic outcome the full perspective that's probably what's most important isn't it where you've got broad representation across a broad Mm. group of people in every way from reaching into all corners of the community yeah absolutely so you're a mother uh, and you have your Got three children. Three children and, yes. your, and your partner, Harry. Yeah. How do you go with balancing those three gorgeous children and life, business? <laughs> yeah. Depends on who you ask on what day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, we've got – when Sunday – is our family day. So I, I make sure there's no computers. Sunday is always dedicated to family. I do work a lot of Saturdays just to try to catch up and having no staff or our operations not going, it is good to catch up. And Wednesday nights is family dinner night. So I'm nice. always home on time for dinner. Perry is the cook in our family. Ooh. I couldn't do what I do without him. He is amazing. He picks up a lot of the slack. So a lot of the running around and sports duties is, is on Perry. So he does a lot of that with the kids. I, I guess it's not necessarily about time, it's about quality as well. Mm. So just being being present with them and learning with them and doing what they like to enjoy. One focus of mine ha- since I was ill in 2019 has been on me. Uh, like oh, I guess a lot of working mums, you always tend to put yourself last. So I started yoga and meditation two or three years ago. I just, I love that time. An yeah. hour in the studio with no phones, no smartwatches, no computers, no one can get hold of me. It has really helped me focus and get that balance. Mm, good, balance to, good to know isn't yeah. it? Absolutely. It's just that mindfulness where you're focusing on, yeah. on you yeah. or Absolutely. things that make you sit there and think, I suppose. I yeah. Don't know. Mm. Well, I have really struggled with that. I'm trying to be, I say the mindfulness, so just empty your mind, don't think. I'm like, how do you sit here and don't think. So I guess learning how to do that, but also channeling it. So I think I no longer sit there and try, I guess it's about not getting angry with yourself. And they're going, just all these thoughts, get out of my head, get out of my head. I'm trying to meditate, get out, stop thinking. So sitting there and just going, okay, oh yeah, I've got to do that. And casually acknowledging those thoughts going, yes, okay, I forgot to do that. I'll do that when I get in, acknowledging it and then letting it go. So I guess that's what I'm trying to work through now is just acknowledging that, but having that time to just stop and think. So I find that you're racing constantly all day. Mm. You think, oh, I forgot about that. I forgot about mm. that. And just being able to sit there and think. And do that at a at a reasonable hour instead of 2.30 in the morning yes. when you wake up yep. in the middle of the night, <laughs> there's all those thoughts yep. roaring through your head. Yep. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty good at um, make, trying to sit there with my own thoughts for a little while and making notes of things that I need to do tomorrow has really helped me um, and, and sleep. So balance is always, always mm. challenging. And I guess one week 
may be different to the next just mm. with what pops up and things mm. but I do end up traveling quite a bit with the work so I'm away a few nights a week regularly. So are you promoting your brands or you're bringing in new um, contracts? Yeah or? mostly again developing those relationships with our contract manufacturers and we're doing quite a bit with work with Austrade and TIQ with regards to exporting our branded products so I guess the challenge there is about balancing our product brands as opposed to manufacturing for other brands as well so trying to work out that balance and where that fits. But I have got a great team that works in sales and marketing for our branded product. I guess from my point of view, my focus is on the new product development and contract manufacturing. So if you have a motto that you live your life by, what would it be, Naomi? I have been trying to come up with a motto. I don't have a motto. It is a work in progress. This year has been all about me and trying to work out what my purpose is, what my passion is and where to go to from there. I have got quite strong values, which are well aligned with the family. I think that's why mum and I work so well together is that we both have very similar values that I guess have been instilled in me since going through. So I guess going back to is this beneficial for people, for our planet and living by that pretty much. There's one that mum has run by, which I absolutely love as well. Gratitude heals your mind, body and spirit. So that's beautiful. Working with that. I can hear Sue saying that. Yeah. (laughs) She's such a beautiful, soft lady, but she's a dynamo. Absolutely. So no motto for me as such, but mum throws these ones in me at me constantly. Mm. It's just like, calm down. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Well, there's nothing wrong with that motto. I think that's a beautiful yeah. motto and it really shines through with your entire family and this is the success that you've had and you. super proud and love what you do. Love your family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I love being a part of yours as well. Yeah. So it's great. Thanks, Naomi. Thank you. A locavore is a person who chooses to consume food that is grown, raised or produced locally. This is the Locavore Podcast, brought to you by Whites IGA.